Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Pink and Channels. This is a very special podcast slash video. However, you are consuming this piece of content. Norwich City have confirmed the appointment of David Wagner as their new head coach. He succeeds Dean Smith at Carrow Road. And I think everyone watching this will agree he's got an almighty job on his hands. And what we're going to do over the course of this uh, this show is we're going to bring you chats with people who um, have experienced or seen David Wagner's career at various stages. Obviously, he's had three clubs prior to Norwich City, certainly at a senior level. Started, of course, with Huddersfield, then Schalke, and then um, Young Boys as well in Switzerland. We won't be covering the, the time in the uh, uh, that he had at Borussia Dortmund too, although that is alluded to a little bit in the chat we have with Dan O'Hagan um, on the Schalke segment, which you'll be hearing after this one. Hopefully that explains the format. I'm Connor Southwell and I'm delighted to say that joining us to talk about the Huddersfield chapter, which is how we're going to describe it, is uh, Mr Gabriel Sutton, who's a, a brilliant uh, sort of expert in terms of all things championships and no one better to speak to about the impact that David Wagner made on English football. So, so Gab, first and foremost, I mean, before we delve into the Huddersfield aspect of it, let's get your thoughts, your opinions on this appointment from a purely Norwich City perspective, because as I said there, it feels like a really big job and, and, and it feels like it needs a certain personality and probably a certain man to take hold of it and, and give this football club a, a good shake in the second half of the season. Doesn't it just, Connor? Um, I think there's um, there's there's a few ways of looking at the the Norwich City vacancy. One of which would be that um, on paper it's a, it's a good squad. Um, there's a mixture of players that have won one or two titles at this level before that have played in the Premier League, not successfully yet, but certainly played in the Premier League. Uh, and there's a mixture of sort of talent in there as well. With you know Marcelino Nunes, remember how good he was earlier in the season before a slight drop in form more recently. Gabriel Sara, I think there's there's a player in so I think it's a good championship squad that will feel it should should be in the top six and um, I think on the flip side of that there's loads of issues which uh, we've probably not got enough time to to go into in in this uh, this section really about Norwich City and where, where they're at as a club um, and I think there's a lot there that David Wagner's got to sort of get get his hands on to um, so I think that really uh, as big a job as the tactical side for David Wagner is actually just galvanising the fan base and giving them something to believe in. I think that's just as important, if not more important, um, part of the remit and um, and hopefully he can do that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, talk to us a little bit about David Wagner and, and, and the championship because he, he obviously had a very successful spell at Huddersfield Town at this level. Um, mm. what, what did you make of him during that period? Because I think it's fair to say in 2015, when, of course, Stuart Webber picked up the phone and uh, and made David Wagner the, the successor of Chris Powell, as it was then, it, it maybe caused a little bit of a of a, of a shock. It was um, deemed a very interesting appointment at that period in, in time. What have you made of David Wagner as a championship manager, first and foremost? Well, I think a lot can happen in seven years, uh, Connor, and I think that, um, yeah, you're probably right, probably back in 2015, maybe foreign appointments in the championship weren't quite as common then as, as maybe they are now, and so possibly there were a few people raising their eyebrows, but I think at the time Huddersfield fans had got, um, you know, maybe, you know, Chris Powell had done a decent job, but they'd grown a little bit tired of, of of the sort of style of football on display and and David Wagner just kind of livened everything up and um and took a took a bit of time to build something um maybe might need a little bit less time perhaps with you know with what's there on paper at Norwich as opposed to the squad he inherited at Huddersfield seven years ago but um but then after a bit of time he built this incredibly exciting lively vibrant side that pressed from the front that had attacking fullbacks that had Aaron Moy um 
the Austra the Aussie sort of in midfield dictating things next to the sort of tenacity of Jonathan Hogan. Um, in some ways, that's actually one of my favourite championship teams that I've seen, not because you know, there's probably been better sides in the championship over the years, but just because Huddersfield were such underdogs and he made something, he made people believe. And um, I think David Wagner's got to get Norwich fans believing. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a really interesting thing that you said there at the end in terms of, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, in terms of belief and in terms of galvanising a football club, because he's going to have to do the same at Norwich in a very short period of time. And I, I know he came in kind of... Um, it was sort of midway through a championship season, wasn't it, when he replaced Chris Powell? But yes. cer certainly there weren't the level of expectation that he's going to be walking into at Norwich City. I mean, you only have to read the Norwich City statement after they parted company with Dean Smith that spoke about Premier League promotion, which I'm sure anyone who's watched Norwich City at the moment, it feels like quite a stretch to ask for that at the moment. I mean, he's going to have to come come in and and, and like you say, there is a tactical element to it, which again, I, we'll, we'll, we'll speak about in a moment. But as as kind of a a motivator of people, uh, an ability to bring people with him. How would you describe his qualities in that particular area? Because that feels like he's almost going to need him personally to drag those aspects of it, as well as kind of what we're going to see on the pitch. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of David Wagner's main strengths, that ability to just bring everyone together. And he is a bit of a one for a, a fist pump, or I could definitely imagine him going to the Barclays at the end of games and giving it something because um, that's kind of how he is. That's sort of the school of uh, of management that he's come from. And, and that's a huge part of the impact that he had at Huddersfield Town, the ability to sort of bring fans onto that journey. That wasn't really Dean Smith's, um, in Dean Smith's sort of makeup, that that's not a criticism of him. He's, you know, got other strengths uh, as a, um, but but I think with with David Wagner, I think that he is going to be able to bring that dimension to um, to the job, and I think that's something to be um, to be excited about because I think fans do feel a little bit disconnected from the club at the moment for various reasons, um, and I don't think they're going to go away straight away. I think hopefully Mark Atanasio can bring some longer term solutions, but you know I think we're still in the earlier stages of that, so um, I. I think for now it's just about giving the fans something to believe in on the pitch um and, th and that's the task for Wagner yeah absolutely I mean in terms of that that Huddersfield group I mean you, you've spoken about it tactically but that ability to kind of bring everyone together and bring them on a journey was that part of the reason why that side was so successful because you know as as, as you know as we know as the context around that goes there wasn't a lot of money he kind of had to create something from nothing and and he mm. certainly did that yeah, well, I think um, the, the having a vocal home support is a really big part of what he was able to do um, because the way Huddersfield played, it was a very high intensity. They had uh, Naki Wells sort of at the top pressing from the front and Elias Kachunga on the right and Rajiv Van Power and all these players that are very aggressive and engaging very quickly. And I think that to play that style of football, you do need a bit of something from the fans. Now, I think David Wagner is probably more likely to get that from the supporters, the way that he engages them and and tries to get them on board, than perhaps um, what what his the you know the methods his predecessor has tried. But um, yeah, I, I, th I think that that's going to be a big part of what he's going to try and do. Just get the fans to um, really get behind the team, and it is going to need a little bit of buy in from from supporters. It isn't going to happen um, straight away, but that's where I think. Um, yeah, Norwich do need something from the supporters, but at the same time, I think they've got to uh, give them a reason to get behind them by being at it from the first whistle. And then I think that's where you get um, certainly the Barclay, maybe not the River End, but certainly the Barclay um, getting behind the lads. 
You, you, you speak to a lot of football fans across uh, the EFL, not just the Championship, but, but certainly in the Championship as well. I'm sure you will have spoken to plenty of Huddersfield fans during and, and probably after David Wagner's time at the football club. How do you get the sense of, of how he's perceived there? And has there been a real shift in terms of how he perceived when he was in charge to maybe where he is currently? Because he's obviously had a, a few more struggles since leaving the football club. Yeah, I mean, uh, you'll forgive me, I've not had an opportunity to do too much research on his time since leaving uh, leaving Huddersfield. I think he had a spell at Schalke, if I'm not mistaken, which maybe didn't go quite as he would have hoped, um, whether he'd had one or two other jobs uh, since then. So I think you'd probably say that from an English football perspective, I'm not 100% sure how, how he's got on um, at other clubs, but certainly from an English football perspective, his stock maybe isn't quite as high as it was four or five years ago. And I think if you were looking at this appointment from a slightly cynical perspective for a moment, you'd possibly question whether um, the people responsible making, for making this decision have carried out um, a really extensive search as to all the possible uh, options who could be the best fit to be Norwich City manager, as opposed to, you know, possibly uh, Stuart thinking, well, I worked with, with David Wagner before, we wanted him in at Norwich manager in 2017, um, let's go back for him. I think there could be an element of, of that in there, which I think has to be addressed. But at the same time, um, it was hugely impressive what David Wagner did at Huddersfield. But it was it was a few years ago. And, and while that doesn't mean that um, that accomplishment, which was an incredible achievement at the time, counts for nothing, I do think that time, um, yeah, time is a factor as well. Are you surprised it's taken him this long to get back into, I suppose, English football more generally, but but certainly the championship? Um, well, I think that his style of management can sometimes be more conducive to... Um, the sort of German culture where there is that feeling of fans singing for, for 90 minutes and, you know, standing up and jumping up and down. And and we don't necessarily have as much of that in English football. And, and I can understand why sort of German, the German scene might appeal more to him for that. But it's it's a difficult question to answer because I can't really speak for, for David and, you know, what his reasons are for working in certain countries. So, um, yeah, that's a tough one. But um, again, he's, uh, he's got some fond memories of working in English football. And I think when... Um, fans do really buy into his um, his way of working and his ability to get everyone together, then you know, we've seen in the past that he can build something special. You, you spoke about tactically what he did at, what he did at Huddersfield. I think there's a, a really good video, uh, I think it's from, from Tifo Football, who, who kind of break down mm. his, his tactics. I think they describe what he did at Huddersfield as, uh, as kind of turning them into one of the most tactically interesting teams that the Championship has seen. It was recorded a few years yeah. ago, so I'm sure there are probably other teams that you could throw into that, that category. Obviously, everyone knows his connections to Jurgen Klopp, and we touch upon that in, in, in the second part with, with, with Dan. Um, when we talk about his time at Schalke and a little bit about Dortmund too as well. Um, do, do you see the players at the moment within this Norwich City squad to carry out what he wants to do? Because it is going to be quite a culture shock, isn't it? What he's going to try and implement at Norwich City compared to perhaps what's gone before. Yeah, I think um, there's a few things. I think he wants uh, attacking fullbacks, which with Max Ahrens and Giannoulis, I think they're capable of being 
Um, I think Max would probably say he's not quite had the the few years that he would ideally hoped for, but still, he, Max Aaron's is still Max Aaron's, um, and uh, you know those two are very capable fullbacks. I think at this level, so they're capable of doing what David Wagner wants. I think that he plays a four-two-three-one certainly in his Huddersfield days, and you want the the sort of the striker and the three behind the striker to be very energetic. So he had um, Ilias Kachunga, who was a real workhorse on the right, Raji van der Power on the left who is very much a direct winger and then Easy Brown who's this sort of lively energetic type uh, and then again Naki Wells who's sort of pressing from the front so that four I think it's going to be very interesting to see um, I think you've got the work rate of Timi Puki there which is certainly a plus and then again it's about look sort of throwing the gauntlet down, gaunt, see, I kind of get my words out, gauntlet down to the other players in terms of, are you going to buy into my methods? Are you going to run and press and, and go to it? But I think he's capable of getting that out of players, getting another level of energy out of his players because he's such a good motivator. And then you look at it, um, Aaron Moy in midfield, he was very good at sort of conducting lots of short passes and then the switch, you know, could is it possible to... Um, uh, turn a Liam Gibbs potentially into that type of player, that sort of metronome. Uh, happy to hear your thoughts on that, but um, but yeah, I think I think it's a squad broadly that probably suits his way of working, and hopefully he can get the best out of them. What what is he going to need to do from here in terms of on the pitch and off the pitch? It's a very broad question. We've we've kind of danced around it a little bit throughout this chat, but what's in his in tray as he arrives at Norwich City? Because it, it does. I mean, for all the talk of it being a, a pretty big job at the moment, and it does feel that they're eleventh in the table, but they're part of this really congested group in the Championship that are all chasing for the playoffs. They're only three points off that at the moment. So whilst it feels like a little bit of an uphill struggle, certainly promotion. Maybe it's a bit more achievable than perhaps a lot of a lot of Norwich fans feel like it is at this moment in time. Well, I think the first thing on his intro is to do an interview with Pinken rather than just Sky Sports. Um, but I think um, I think it's very important. I think there's a good chance of Norwich City competing for promotion. As much as we've talked about the um, the issues at Norwich and the form that they've had since that sort of six game winning run, where even then it felt a little bit unconvincing. I think there is a situation where you think they're only three points off the playoffs. And they've got the top six championship squad. So I don't think this season is over. And I think that's partly because of the way the championship has been, where apart from Burnley and Sheffield United, um, teams have been taking points off one another. So, um, yeah, I, I think there is an opportunity for Norwich. But I also can't get away from the fact that there does need to be structural changes uh, at Norwich. Because if you want to, it's one thing getting into the Premier League. Like Norwich could very easily get into the Premier League by, you know, getting into the playoffs and then, you know, winning a couple of games. Games. But I think in terms of staying in the Premier League, you look at what Brighton have done, you look at what Brentford have done, um, All both those clubs and um, have, have got very smart structures, they recruit very smartly, um, they... Um, yeah, they have those ways of going about things. They've got a clear, clear identity as well. And I think that Norwich need to find that from somewhere. And hopefully Mark and Atanasio can provide some of the solutions and some of the leadership. So I think there's a long term question, but obviously you've got to work towards that by the short term. And that's getting some results in the here and now. Uh, hopefully Wagner can do that. Yeah, final question. Uh, obviously, Stuart Webber and, and Dave Wagner worked together before at Huddersfield. What was that relationship like when they worked together? Obviously, uh, Stuart left in 2017 before their promotion to the Premier League was was confirmed. Obviously, joining Norwich uh, it was obviously part of of the various agreements that that he would kind of not leave David Wagner alone, uh, as as was the case, and how it how it panned out. Um, 
and, and there were actually a lot of Norwich fans yearning for, for David Wagner at that point in time as well because of what he'd achieved at Huddersfield Town and, and the obvious connection there. But what is their relationship like? We know they've stayed in touch quite a bit since uh, since they, well, certainly since Stuart Weber left Huddersfield, but, but probably more so since David Wagner left Huddersfield in, in 2019 after keeping them in the Premier League for a year and then, then obviously departing in, in the January of, of 2019. So talk to us a little bit about how they work together at Huddersfield and, and, and maybe the connection that they had at that football club and, and, and I guess possibly whether or not they can create that at Norwich City. Well, um, I think there's um, a big question for me as to whether the Stuart Webber of uh, 2023 is the same Stuart Webber as the Stuart Webber of 2015 or or 2017 when he first came in. Um, I think there's big questions over that. I, I think more recently... You know, it does seem like there's been a change in his sort of mindset towards the job. And I think if I'm a, a member of the Yellow Army, I think um, that that would concern me a little bit. So um, I think there's um, there's probably a question mark there uh, about the, the leadership of the club, because let's not forget Delia and Michael are in their 80s now. And Mark Atanasio um, has only got 15 percent stake in the club. So he's not at a stage where he can influence uh, much. So I think there is a little bit of a, a leadership void. Um, I think that David Wagner um, is going to benefit from a bit some sort of engaged leadership at the club in what form that takes I'm not 100% sure but I think as a coach he's preferred to take a head coach type role as opposed to uh, being a manager and, and I hope that he is able at certain some point to be able to just focus on uh, coaching the team, picking the team and, uh, and in-game management because I think that's um, that's how people work at their best. Absolutely. Gab, thank you very much. Some excellent insight on on David Wagner there and his, his time in England and in the Championship uh, to date. We're now going to head to Germany in the Bundesliga and join Dan O'Hagan, who's going to give us an excellent insight into, uh, into David Wagner's time at Schalke and maybe challenging some of the perceptions that Norwich City fans have about his time in Germany. Part two of uh, David Wagner's story, I suppose, brings us to life post-Huddersfield and specifically to Germany and uh, to Schalke. And whenever we go to the Bundesliga, we, of course, have to chat to the excellent Dan O'Hagan, who uh, we use so many times on this channel to give us some excellent insight into players, coaches or anything German football. So, Dan, welcome welcome back to the channel, first and foremost. But talk to us a little bit about David Wagner and Schalke, because I think there's this perception that Maybe it was a failed stint as as head coach of Schalke, but actually you delve into it and there's a lot more context and nuance to wrap around it, isn't there? I think as a coach, uh, when Schalke come calling, you have to listen. And uh, Wagner was at that time a, a younger coach and the call came from Schalke, one of German football's great traditional powerhouses, uh, the giant of the roar, along with Borussia Dortmund. And uh, Schalke came for him. He went there. But it was a poison chalice because at the time Schalke were, and they still are, in a real hole. Um, he came in after Domenico Tedesco's uh, reign, which had a second place finish, but then utter freefall and near relegation the season that followed. Um, in came Wagner to pick up the pieces and he inherited a squad which was extraordinarily limited. Um, finances had all but dried up. Um, it was a club, a team in no way equipped to be in that league competitive. I think they went 18 games winless to start the season. I think I, I did their 19th game when they beat Hoffenheim 4-0, which was a complete surprise. Um, they broke all kinds of records that season for uh, fewest points, fewest goals, worst starts. And of course, you look at the coach. But as I say, that 
team he took on was a poison chalice. Um, most coaches in the world game would have been unable to get a tune from that particular Schalke squad. So it shouldn't be the black mark on Wagner's CV that maybe it appears at first. There are certainly mitigating circumstances. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting. I mean, I've got a quote from him here about his time at Schalke. And he says, if I speak about the time at Schalke, you can split it into two different periods. The first period was very exciting. I think we lost three of the first 25 games. We were third in the table and then we didn't win for 18 games. And then he goes on to say, yes, I was part of this, but the part I was able to deal with was not the biggest one. And of course, there was off off the pitch troubles as there always well has been in Schalke in, in recent seasons and it's interesting you mentioned there uh, the names of or, or one of coach in particular but there's also been quite a few coaches who have really struggled to get Schalke going in maybe the way that people would expect them to given their relative size and fan base um, so do you think that's a, a relatively fair assessment of his time at Schalke I mean quite streaky but obviously uh, you know as, as you've touched upon plenty of mitigation in terms of, I think there was a racism issue in, in terms of board level, wasn't there? And and various internal things that actually he wasn't able to control, but did have a profound impact on how it how it kind of transpired for him at his time at Schalke. It was, yeah, it was a difficult time. Obviously, the club, as you say, there was in flux off the field as well as on it. Um, there was no money to bring in new players. The players that were brought in weren't really up to standard to compete in the Bundesliga. So, yeah, I mean, people look at that. He did have a big hand in that relegation uh, they went on to have. But but certainly um, there were mitigating circumstances in a big way. And uh, as I say, not many coaches would have got a tune from that really, really poor Schalke squad that uh, that he inherited. What what was his style of play? What was his approach? Because I think we, we hear so much about the pressing style and the similarities to Jurgen Klopp from his time at Huddersfield. And, and that was referenced perhaps in, in the first chat that that I had, um, what was it like when he moved to Germany? Had it tweaked? Did he alter what he was trying to do there? Not really. I think they tried to play the way Wagner's teams have always played. Um, the problem was they, the players they had weren't really up to the job in hand. Um, we know he's a coach who loves the high press, demands a, a high level of fitness for his players, which may well help Norwich because I know fitness has been a concern uh, from the fan base in recent weeks at uh, Carroll Road. So, yeah, he didn't really change the style or the system too much. He he went his own way, but the players he had um, just were not able to to compete and be a convincing team to make any impact on the Bundesliga that season. So, yeah, relegation on his CV. He had a big, uh, as I say, played. I was in charge of most of the games in that season, but but I think you can put a, a big star next to that season and say it wasn't entirely his fault. Yeah, it's it's, it's really interesting, and and I'm really intrigued to know what kind of the perception of him is in Germany at the moment because he obviously had such a successful time at, at Huddersfield. I guess in many ways similar to Daniel Farker, um, if, if not maybe even somewhat uh, more unexpected given the size of club that, that he he took to the Premier League the first time in, in 45 years as a German-born coach. Um, then moved to the Bundesliga. It felt like a real opportunity for him to kick on. It didn't quite happen. How is he perceived in Germany? What is the view of David Wagner now after that spell at Schalke? I think he's almost been forgotten in Germany. Um, I mean, Schalke has been such a, a revolving door for coaches in the last five or six years. Um, he's just a, another name on that door, which has come and gone. Um, and the German game churns out young coaches so quickly. It's very easy to become that kind of forgotten man, which I think David Wagner has. And uh, I think maybe a move back to the English game, where he does still have a, a good reputation, given the job he did with her Huddersfield Town. Um, is is for him a, a very good thing. But in terms of Germany, 
it would be very hard for him to get a job now, certainly in Bundesliga 1, maybe Bundesliga 2, but right now in the top level, I think David Wagner's become almost, a, as I say, a, a forgotten man. Yeah, that's 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 absolutely fascinating. And and what what do you personally make of his move to Carroll Road and, and, and to Norwich City? Because uh, I think a lot of people will look at it, look at the links to Stuart Webber and, and maybe come to conclusions that it's a little bit predictable. Even some have said a little bit lazy. I think there's probably, you know, as, as I said, right at the start in terms of his time at Schalke, there's always plenty more nuance and context that you can wrap around it. But what, what do you make of the pair? reuniting because they're doing so in such different circumstances to how they sort of came together in the first place at Huddersfield. Yeah, there's clearly a connection there between Weber and uh, Wagner. Um, the success at Huddersfield Town is well documented. Um, unexpected success on a limited budget. Obviously, he comes in as a free agent. There's no compensation to pay. That's a bonus for Norwich as well, of course. Um, so it makes sense. Um, a coach who's had success at this level before in England who knows the sporting director well, um, has had success with him in the past. My concern would be the way he plays depends on players, if you like, from the Farker era who have by and large all moved on. So he comes in to take over a squad with players that he may not know a great deal about, um, who won't be used to playing his way of, of playing or the German way of playing. And, and I just... My fear is that so much of the good work laid by Daniel Farker was thrown away under Dean Smith. Um, the idea was to, to have at Norwich this continuity of style, of system, of mentality. That went out the window with Dean Smith. So to ask uh, Vardy to come in now and almost from a fresh start, from square one, begin again and try to impose that, if you like, Farkerball way of playing again, with a squad who are unused to playing that way, is very difficult. So I think he'll need a lot of time. He'll need maybe at least two transfer windows to get players in who will play his way. Um, but I think certainly um, it's um, it's an appointment that makes a lot of sense, I think, financially, in terms of, of, of who the coach knows, um, the Weber connection. But it will take, I think, a deal of time to get results on the field. Of course, going to ask you about the Jurgen Klopp connection. I think David Wagner was well, David Wagner was his, his, his best man at his wedding, wasn't he? In two thousand and five, the, the pair have, have kind of spoken about the fact that they're really close friends, best friends, whatever you want to label it as. I mean, what sort of impact has Jurgen Klopp had on his brand of football? Because it feels like maybe certainly his Huddersfield team was perhaps a lot closer to to Jurgen Klopp and and what he's tried to do in his career. Probably people will recognise that most in this country as being at Liverpool, but obviously with Borussia Dortmund as well, compared to maybe Daniel Farker, who was much more possession-based rather than perhaps being as as keen to press the opposition yeah. as, as perhaps David Wagner's sides have been. I think Jurgen Klopp was a product really of the Ralph Ragnick idea of Gagan pressing, and that has really, um, we know, made its mark on the German game and the world game. And certainly uh, Wagner and Klopp are very close. You mentioned the best man at the wedding thing. There was talk that one day he may have gone to be an assistant a few years ago with Klopp at, at Liverpool. Um, so there is clearly a bond and a link. If Wagner can translate that Klopp ideology to Norwich City, it'll be exciting times, of course. But it depends on players. And I just don't think at the moment Norwich have the kind of player in that squad, enough of them, to play the Jurgen Klopp uh, way of pressing. Uh, it requires, as I say, a lot of work in terms of fitness. I think it needs some new faces and it will need transfer windows, one, two, three even, to begin to get 
the squad to the kind of level in terms of the players that, that Wagner can work with that he needs to do, really. So it'll be, I think, the long haul. Um, will Norwich give uh, Wagner time and will Norwich give Stuart Webber time um, in that uh, context as well? It's certainly going to be uh, an interesting watch. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we spoke right at the start about the perception around his time at Schalke. What would your message be to Norwich City fans who are looking at that as, as, as we said, a major concern perhaps? Because there will be some who look at his CV and say, oh, well, after Huddersfield, he's been sacked by Schalke and then obviously gone on to be sacked by young boys. But for that job specifically, it feels like what you're saying. It maybe needs to be put in context of the role that, that he was given and also the resources and tools and environment that, that he inherited as well. Yeah, for me, young boys would be the bigger concern, given that they were a club who'd had years of of success and titles and they fell short uh, under him. Um, but the Schalke time, certainly, I think I look at that and it is one to mark with an asterisk because that club at that time was in a very unhappy place. And you could have put Jurgen Klopp himself in there or pick any coach, any world-class coach, and they would have struggled to get a tune from that from that group of Schalke players. So. Norwich fans, do not look at the Schalke chapter of David Wagner. Look beyond that. Look before. Look at the Huddersfield job when he took a, a team of modest means into and survived in the Premier League, which, of course, Daniel Farker didn't manage to yeah. do with Norwich. Um, so that's a plus for uh, for Wagner. And also the job he did with Dortmund too as well, where he took on the job of, of Farker and got them playing some good stuff as well. So the Schalke chapter is obviously part of the Wagner story, but should not be the overriding uh, narrative to his appointment at Norwich. Yeah, two, two more questions. I was, I was actually going to ask you about that spell as, as Borussia Dortmund 2 manager. I mean, how familiar are you with, with what he achieved there? Obviously, it's a route that Stuart Webber has, has particularly looked at in terms of head coaches. Dean Smith, kind of uh, kind of the, the, the difference in, in terms of that. How familiar are you with his work as, as Dortmund 2 boss? And, and what was the difference perhaps there between what he did and, and what Daniel Farker did? Not much difference with Farker. I think the job of that team, obviously, is to develop young players, either for the first team or, more often than not, to be sold on um, to other clubs. So that was his role at Dortmund too, was to work with young players coming through. We saw Farker, obviously, develop young players at Norwich, like Max Ahrens. Um, you've got to hope that there are players in the academy now which maybe Varden can do likewise with and bring them through to the first team at Norwich, which has been in the last couple of years, maybe um, not their strongest part. So, yeah, I mean, the time at Dortmund too is a, it's about development. It's about developing young players uh, for first team football, either at Dortmund or elsewhere. Um, so that was a, a learning curve. But in terms of coaching at first team level, I would say, look at Huddersfield. Don't look too closely at Schalke. And just finally, I mean, you will you know yourself how fond Stuart Weber is of, of German football. He's spoken about it regularly, about how much he, he likes it and, and also how he feels that coaches from, from Germany are well-equipped because of the, the difficulties or, or perhaps maybe how, how much tougher it is to get a high level of, of coaching licence in Germany um, sort of compared to, to England. Um, are you surprised, not surprised to see him head back to Germany, even though it maybe feels slightly that that's not quite as was the case with Daniel Farker, but it is still a return to, to kind of a German ideolo ideology, I suppose, with, with David Wagner. Does, does that surprise you, given obviously the, the kind of failed experiment with Dean Smith that we've seen at Norwich City in the last 13 months or so? 
No surprise. I think you look at Weber's two great successes in terms of coaches, both Germans, David Wagner, Huddersfield Town and Daniel Farker at Norwich. So no surprise he's gone back down that road at all. Um, it's also a case of, you know, you go back to what you know and he knows David Wagner and in his mind, there'll be less risk to appoint a coach whose methods, whose working style and football style he knows all about. Um, I remember a, a chat I had with, with Weber a couple of years ago when he amazed me with his knowledge of German football and the depth he was able to go into in talking about players playing for Mainz's second team, for example. Um, so he'll have done his homework, his due diligence. And yeah, I mean, if this is to be the kind of second coming of a German coach, Daniel Farker V2.0, brilliant. But it's very hard to, to say that Wagner will be the next Daniel Farker because Daniel Farker was his own man. So is David Wagner. So don't run that risk of, of expecting Farker number two to come in here because it's a different coach. These are different times, a different squad to work with. Uh, Norwich in a different place in terms of finances maybe as well. We'll see where it goes. But yeah, for me, no surprise they've gone down that German road again. And let's hope that it has the same success as we saw when they went with Farker all those years ago. I lied. One more, I promise. Um, how, how do you, how do you feel this appointment is going to go in terms of fit, in terms of where Norwich are, where where David Wagner are is currently? How do you feel about it on on, on kind of a personal perspective? I'm excited by it. Um, I think the Dean Smith experiment was, let's be frank, disastrous from day one. He never got the fans on side. He never felt. I don't think that relationship, which Farker had this amazing, almost unusual relationship with the fans, the whole fist bumping and and, and geeing up the fans after each win. Uh, and Smith was never going to be that man, but he just never seemed to warm to Norwich and Norwich never warmed to him. I think if Wagner can channel in some respect that Farker energy and bring those scenes in some way back to Norwich again, and just get the club and the fans smiling again, because it's been a dismal, horrible 13 months or so at Norwich. Um, you know, fans have forgotten what it's like to be happy with their football club. They've, I think in some cases, you know, awful thing to say, but fallen out of love with their football club, which is, is horrible to think. So maybe this appointment can be the first piece in the jigsaw, the first band-aid to begin to heal the wounds and, as I say, if they begin to have anything like the success they had with Daniel Farker, then it'll be great for Norwich. But right now, I think Wagner, it makes a lot of sense, ticks a lot of boxes. And I think uh, it's one to get behind and, and, and fingers crossed and see how it goes. Dan, thank you very much as ever for your time and your insight. Wonderful, wonderful chat there about David Wagner and his time at Schalke. It's going to be really interesting to see how he gets on at Norwich City. We'll now fast forward to his time in Switzerland and we'll bring you some insight from his spot as Young Boys manager. And for the final part of our trip down uh, David Wagner's managerial career, we end up in Switzerland and at Young Boys. I'm delighted to say, to talk to us about his time at Young Boys is uh, Kevin Hatchard, commentator uh, in the Bundesliga, amongst various other things, European football expert as well. You you will all know Kevin, I'm sure. Um, thank you very much for joining us, first and foremost. It, it's, it's really interesting because I think when Norwich fans have been looking at David Wagner's CV, and, and we, we covered Schalke a little bit with Dan O'Hagan. You'll obviously be familiar with his time at Schalke as well. I think people are looking at the job he maybe did at Schalke with obviously all the context that, that Dan has put into it, but also the one at Young Boys as being maybe two marks on, on, on his CV, obviously now heading into Norwich City. 
what are your thoughts overall on, on the job that he did at, at Young Boys and maybe how difficult was that for him to walk into? Yeah, I think it's certainly fair to say that they're not great parts of his career. And I think they're quite similar in the sense that if you look at what happened at Schalke, he went there, it started well, went there with high hopes of playing good football, getting results. But when it started to go wrong, he became much more pragmatic and the quality of the football declined. And if you look at the job he did at Young Boys, he started well got some decent results. If you look at the European football, they beat Manchester United. That was a famous win in the Champions League, but ultimately couldn't sustain it. And what torpedoed him really at Young Boys is the fact that the domestic form wasn't good enough. If you look at the situation when he came in, really it should have been a relatively straightforward situation in the sense that the coaches that had come before Gerardo Zewane and Adi Huta had had great success, had gone on to jobs in the Bundesliga, and young boys had won the last four titles in the Swiss Super League. And so he joined a club that expected to at least be competing for that title. So to be as far behind Zurich as they were, when he was sacked, that was embarrassing for the club. Zurich weren't even expected to challenge. They were described by the Swiss press as the champions from nowhere. So that gives you an idea of just how surprising it was that young boys weren't closer to Zurich at the time he was sacked. What what did go so wrong for for him in in, in those in in that kind of setting? I guess because he did such a good job at uh, Huddersfield and 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 has a, a relatively good reputation in terms of English football. Obviously, it didn't quite work out for him in the way you would have liked in the Bundesliga. Obviously, he was in talks with West Brom as well before he decided to to go to Young Boys, and I'm sure he will have seen that as as maybe a. Uh, and he spoke after Schalke about his desire to move to a, a stable club was was kind of his his words. So what, what did go wrong? Why did it all unravel for, for him in terms of the domestic scene and, and the way that the, the football transpired? Yeah, it's a curious one because you look at it and they, this was a group of players that were used to being dominant, group of players that had quality in the attack. You look at guys like Wilfried Konga, uh, Jordan Sibacher, who went on to join Union Berlin. Konga since moved to here to Berlin. So they had the firepower. Fasnak is an excellent player. So certainly they had firepower going forward, struggled to keep clean sheets. That was a big problem. It was a big problem at Schalke as well. So if you're not playing particularly enterprising football, but you're not actually keeping the clean sheets to go with it, then that's a major problem. I do still like Wagner. I think he's got good ideas. I think the job he did at Huddersfield is really quite remarkable when you think about it, you know, to have taken them into the Premier League and then kept them in the Premier League. It wasn't as if they went up and went straight back down. I think you knew the writing was on the wall in that second season uh, and maybe went before uh, it all went sour. But uh, I still think there's a good coach in there, but I think he's taken some wrong turns. Schalke's a difficult club, as I'm sure Dan O'Hagan will have mm. told you, you know, all the stuff that's going on in the background. You know, it's hard to judge him on that in isolation. What would worry me is that when he first arrived at Schalke, or I know we're supposed to be talking about young boys, but I do think this is instructive. When he first arrived at Schalke, he talked a lot about wanting to play attacking football, wanting to talk to players about not panicking, not playing long ball football, not just going for the easy option. And they did do some of that in the opening weeks, but then it all went wrong, they reverted to type, and he kind of got frozen. He couldn't really change um, how it was going wrong. And if you look at the end at Young Boys, 
just before he got sacked, they had three straight draws against Luzern, uh, against Basel, who are traditionally their big rivals, and against Vaduz. So they were dropping points against, you know, mid to lower ranking teams. And he didn't seem to have any way of turning that around. So I think on the big occasion, he's shown that he can pull out results. But of course, you know, as well as I do, the championship requires consistency. Uh, And that's the big question. Can he get back to that consistency that he had at Huddersfield? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because you look throughout his career and, and there's been some real streaks in there, even even like you say at Schalke, at Young Boys as well. But even at, at Huddersfield, they, they started the season really well, really well. I think they were second or, or third in the championship at some stage and eventually had to go up via the playoffs. So that that streakiness, that maybe lack of consistency does seem to be consistent in, in, in his career. Yeah, it's a concern because especially at a club like Young Boys, for example, because he went into a club that hadn't won a title for a long, long time before that run of four. And so once that run of four under Hooter and Zewane was established, then suddenly they expected to be winning things and they expected to be, you know, not qualifying necessarily from the Champions League group stage, but at least... You know, and obviously getting to the group stage was a big deal as well. So it wasn't as if his time at Young Boys was a complete disaster. It wasn't. On the European stage, they had some really good performances and some decent results. But the bare truth of it is that in the league, he just could not find that consistency. And that goes back to this propensity for streaks, whether they're good ones or bad ones. Yeah, it's, it's it's really interesting. I mean, you, you've you've kind of spoken about the European runs. I mean, I mean, they beat Manchester United. They beat Bayer Leverkusen home and away. Uh, the, the win at Manchester United came in the group stages of the Champions League. Uh, Leverkusen came in the Europa League, didn't it? So, what what was it about those games and the European setting that he was able to get so much out of his team compared to perhaps what happened in the league? I think partially it's about that atmosphere at home. You know, the fans do play a big big role in that. Um, come up with some, and they kind of push the team to a higher level to what it's capable of, really. So I think that was an element. And of course, having that quality in attack helps because you've got Sibacher, who's a a US international, really should have gone with the US to the World Cup. I was amazed they didn't take take him because they, they lacked firepower and you know, I'm probably not a popular view, but I'm not totally sold on Josh Sargent. Q gasps. Um, <laughs> so, look, I was I was a bit surprised that he didn't go there. Conga is a good striker as well, so he had that quality going forwards, and I think that can. And obviously, Manchester United were a bit chaotic as well at the time, so it was a, it was a bit of a kind of mix of factors really that I think led to that, and. You know, you're dealing with quality players. It's not like he took over a squad that needed a load of surgery. Mm. Uh, it was a good squad. And so it's kind of on him that he couldn't get those results on a regular basis in the Swiss Super League. Uh, there's also an element that once you get to the top, and he wasn't the one who got them there, but once you get to the top, it's quite hard to maintain that, I guess. Maybe there was a lack of hunger to some extent that led to that, you know, just assuming you would win games. But actually, there are some good sides in Switzerland. And so they fell foul of that. So it is a bit of a surprise that they were so far behind. But again, it comes back to this problem that Wagner wrestles with, that he does find it difficult to get that consistency throughout a season. And in the championship, you're not necessarily going to get away with that. 
Do you see in, in, in David Wagner someone who relishes being an underdog? Is that why he's he's done so well in those European competition with young boys and, and maybe struggled domestically? And, and obviously and there's always high expectations at Schalke because of the size of the football club that, that it is. So, so, I mean, you've obviously followed him in, in Germany and in Switzerland. Have you sensed that, that there's a little bit that those high expectations have been a little bit crushing for him compared to perhaps what he had at Huddersfield where he was able to galvanise the place and there perhaps wasn't so much pressure on winning every week? I think that's fair. Yeah, I do think that's fair. I think, and certainly at Schalke, I think he relished the the chance to try and turn around a big club, but to do it kind of against the odds because he took over a club that was on a downer. They obviously, after he left, went down uh, in pretty spectacular fashion. And I think he did want to, to genuinely make a difference there. Obviously, at Huddersfield, there was very much a, a siege mentality, but the pressure wasn't as big there. Ultimately, the Schalke job was too big for him, and it has been too big for a few people. So, you know, you wouldn't necessarily lay that all at his door. But Young Boys was a very different scenario. Yes, there were underdogs in Europe, but they were absolutely the favourites domestically. And because Basel have taken a few steps back recently, nothing was expected from St. Gallen or Zurich. But in the end, it was Zurich who came out of the pack and won that title. So, yeah, I, I think he struggled with the fact they were expected to win every week. And even though they had some good results and scored plenty of goals at times, just couldn't maintain it. So, so with that in mind, how do you view the job that he's got on his hands at Norwich? There are obviously a, a lot of a lot of difficulties coming into this job. Their, their league position is is not one that they would they would want, but those expectations are going to be there. It is a club, particularly in its current form, that when they're in the Championship, are expected to bounce straight back up to the Premier League. They're in a, a difficult position, only three points off the playoffs. He does seem like someone who can galvanise clubs and dressing rooms, and he's proven that before in the past, but also that conversation that we've had about high expectations and maybe his struggle to come to terms with them does feel like it's a, a little bit sort of contrasting maybe in terms of how he could potentially get on it at Norwich City. Well, yeah, I think it's a really tricky one because I'm fascinated to see how he approaches it because Norwich, you will know far better than me, Norwich have this enterprising style and have had for a while. If you look at the football that Daniel Farker wants to play, you know, it is pretty football and he struggled to adapt that to the Premier League. But in the Championship, they played some sensational stuff under Farker. So I wonder if that brings with it an expectation. Wagner didn't play that way at Huddersfield, it's fair to say. And he didn't really play that way at Schalke either. So if he's going to go down the pragmatic route, he's got to win. You know, he's got to get the results to go with it. And I always think when coaches go for that win now, safety first approach, you've got to win because the fans, the fans will stick with you for longer if you're playing pretty football and they can see what you're trying to do. If you're playing direct, pragmatic football, you've got to rack up those wins quickly. I still think it was a mistake to part company with Daniel Farker in the way that they did. Farker's done some great stuff at Borussia Mönchengladbach this season, played some lovely, thrilling football. I'm not sure they've quite recovered from that, really. I think the Dean Smith experiment ultimately failed, even though I like Dean very much and think he's a good manager, but that hasn't been a good fit. And so I, I, I do wonder if there's an element of be careful what you wish for here, because they obviously wanted to change, felt somebody could break that cycle of, you know, get into the Premier League, drop back down. Well, that cycle might be broken, but not in the way that they wanted. 
Absolutely. Um, just talk to me a little bit about, because obviously you've seen him at Schalke in, in the work that you do with the Bundesliga. What has his connection been like with with fans at, at both Schalke and Young Boys? We know he had a very special relationship with with the fans at, at Huddersfield, and that's obviously what Norwich are hoping to to replicate. There was a lot of criticism around Dean Smith and the fact that he was maybe unable to connect and, and interact with fans in the way that that maybe his predecessor did. So it does feel like David Wagner is, is being appointed to try and repair some of those divisions, I suppose, within the clubs. Uh, what was his relationship like with the fans at both Schalke and Young Boys? I think he's likeable. I think fans recognise there's a passion there. I think they recognise there's a real love of the sport, um, a real intelligence there. I mean, you can't be best friends with Jurgen Klopp and not have that kind of fire and, and passion. And, you know, that's obviously one of the things that connects them. Um, he's not as demonstrative as Klopp. <laughs> of course, not many people are. But I think that passion is there, that fire. And I think he does get that across well. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't. He's certainly not a distant, aloof character that fans won't take to. And I think he tends to say all the right things. It's just hard because he's taking over mid-season and he's got to back it up with action. But in terms of being somebody who fans can connect to, I, I think that is the case. I think certainly at Schalke, they weren't, the fans weren't overly happy with things in general. They weren't happy with the quality of the football. They weren't happy with how the, the club was being managed in general. So, again, you can't lay that all at his door. And it certainly wasn't for want of trying. Uh, and, and and just finally, I mean, your, your personal opinion, having watched him at, at Schalke and, and at Young Boys as well, more so in, in Europe. Do, do you feel he's the right man at this moment for Norwich City to take them where, where they want to be? And, and obviously they, they've said in the statement after sacking Dean Smith that promotion back to the Premier League, they still believe is a, is, is a possibility and is very much still their aim. Do you feel he's the right man to take this on at this point? And I guess also what do you make of Norwich City almost turning back towards that German approach that did serve them so well under Daniel Farker? I think it makes sense. Certainly makes sense. And and they know all about Wagner. They know what he's capable of. He's done it before. You know, he's won promotion to the Premier League before. Crucially, he's kept a club in the Premier League having done that. So maybe they're looking at that as well. And I think he certainly has the passion to do it. And also, this has got to work for him, I think, because Schalke didn't. Young boy certainly didn't feel like if he was to have another failure here, then his reputation is quite severely damaged. So he certainly won't lack motivation, certainly won't lack passion, but it's an incredibly competitive division. So he hasn't got much margin for error. So I'm fascinated to see how he does. I think they'll certainly go close, but, I think the jury's out. I, I certainly wouldn't say for definite that he'll be able to take them up, but he is capable of it. So I know I've sat on the fence there a little bit, but I guess we'll have to see because he's done it before, but you're asking a lot to turn around a group of players that, let's be honest, got used to losing last season. It's quite hard to change that mindset. I know Norwich have done it a lot recently. It's quite hard to change that time and time again. 
Absolutely. Kev, thank you so much for your insight. It's been brilliant to chat to you. And that, of course, concludes all three of our conversations about David Wagner, starting with Huddersfield and ending with Young Boys. So hopefully that's given Norwich City fans a little bit of an insight into what they can expect from their next head coach. I think one thing's for sure, it's certainly not going to be dull, is it, from all of the uh, all of the conversations that we've had. So thank you very much for watching and listening, uh, whichever form you've decided to consume this in. And we will see you again very, very soon.